Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. fans justin here and with me well, actually with me as always because he's not here right now but my podcasting partner who's normally paul is actually daniel duarte this week what's going on everybody there he is there he is there he is and welcome to fanning the flames everyone's favorite sons podcast that's made for the fans that's you guys by the fans that is normally paul and i this week dan and i you know As what? Always in- it's going to be that much better too. Ooh. Paul, you should have never gone to that wedding, my friend. Oh, Paul! Paul, <laughs> as as Daniel said, Paul's at a wedding this week. We figured we should get a an episode out, and uh, Paul's like, "Hey, just do it, just do it." He gave me the carte blanche. I brought Daniel in. Daniel is potentially the future co-host of Fanning the Flames. We will see. I actually have a theory about that. Oh, go on. I don't think Paul's even at a wedding this weekend. The Suns are two and one. They've looked pretty impressive. He's just mailing it in? And no, and I think this is just a test run. You guys are like, you know what? We gotta see if he can even do it because Paul, unfortunately, is not gonna be in the seat coming into the season. <laughs> so let's do a test run and let's see how it goes. Cause if not, then we're gonna have to Bring them along, give them some kind of classes, because the Suns are going to actually be good this year, make the playoffs. I love that theory, and I'm not going to say I'm not going to say it's wrong. Although I will say, if it is wrong, Paul went through a lot of effort because I saw pictures from this alleged wedding, <laughs> and uh, and his wife was even involved. So, okay. Paul, if you just faked a big wedding, hey, good for you for going in deep. And making sure the podcast is taken care of when you lose your job. Moving on, I'll have to do my normal intro part here, as always. Intro and outro music presented by what used to be Oceans Over Air- Airplanes, now is Park and Main. Check them out over at parkandmain.bandcamp.com. If you're on t- Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. Subscribe, rate, review. You can to me on Twitter. I'm at so says J Daniel. I am at D underscore Duarte D U A R T E eight nine. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. And Paul, I'll throw it out there for you, buddy. At Dervish of World. So let's get into the Phoenix Suns because the Phoenix Suns are one weekish, three games into their season, and you would think that. Mm, based on where they have been in the past and based on what happened after the first game, they'd be in some trouble. But we're sitting here with a team that is two and one. Should be three and oh, frankly, should be 
they have defeated the Los Angeles Clippers. They have defeated the Sacramento Kings. And they should have defeated the Denver Nuggets. Two of those teams being playoff teams from last year. One of those teams being a team that finished, I I, I don't know it off the top of my head, but I want to say like 19 games or so better than the Suns last year. Yeah, I believe they were 11th. Um, 11 sounds better because they weren't a playoff team. Right. And pick it picked by most to make the playoffs this year. Seemed like everybody's preseason darling, which I never really understood because I mean, they had pretty much the same team uh, minus a couple of players and they added Luke Walton and they had a good coach last year. And Luke Walton isn't a very good coach in my opinion. I'll disagree with you. I think Walton can be a good coach. I don't think he's the right, right for that team. He's not a coach that a team who is, full of a bunch of young dudes should have. He's the kind of coach that needs to be on a team or coaching a team that, excuse me, has established veterans who have already kind of bought into, you know, whatever it is that they're trying to do. When, When you're dealing with a young team, you have to be able to deal with personalities, deal with expectations from young guys. And frankly, that's why Monty Williams is, Goddamn beautiful for the Phoenix Suns. I agree 100%. And, I mean, if you look at the Kings right now, they're 0-3. They have not looked particularly good. Um, They have injuries already. Marvin Bagley is out for four to six weeks, I believe. And I believe De'Aaron Fox has gotten banged up as well. So, I mean, they're dealing with some stuff right now. It's not looking great. Yeah, and... You know, we'll, we'll we'll get into a little bit of the the prior Suns games and and just to give everybody out there listening and ideas what we're going to run through today. Obviously, you know, fanning the flames being a how do I say it? Oh, very optimistic podcast, at least from my perspective, the podcast of optimism. I have been very silent about DeAndre Ayton suspension. We'll talk about that a little bit. We'll talk about who, who might have been for DeAndre and talk about the impression from not only the opening night game, but the last two games uh, against the Nuggets and against the Clippers. And we'll talk about also how the Suns suddenly can actually play defense. Like, de- defense! I don't even know what that is, Justin. So, let's 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 focus in. Let's talk first. Let's talk first about the eight and suspension. Daniel, I want to know initially what your thoughts were when that suspension first came down what do you thought that meant for the team what you thought it meant in terms of how they would be able to perform for that 25 games and then we'll get into how things look two games into that suspension well the first thing i said was damn it we can't have nice things amen i was there on wednesday um it was an electric atmosphere atmosphere is amazing um, they absolutely smoked the Kings. I mean, it wasn't even a, a contest. DeAndre looked great. He looked great on defense. Um, people still had, for some reason, criticism for him. Um, looking at you, Dan Bickley. We, we can talk about that too, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All Dan fair, Bickley, Dan Bickley apparently thinks that they, he thinks that DeAndre needs to dunk more. <laughs> um, apparently, you get more points if he if you dunk the ball and uh, are more physical. You know. It doesn't matter if you get tired at the end of the game, you know, because you've been dunking all game. Anyways, neither here nor there. Uh, that was the first thing I was like, we can't have nice things. And then I thought about it a little bit and I, I was in denial. And I said, you know what? 
um, 25 games for a diuretic. I Googled what a diuretic was. Um, a water pill was the first thing that I saw. Before I did more research, I'm like, this is stupid. Like, why? Why is this happening to us? And uh, eventually, you know, I, I came to my senses and I you know, thought this is probably irresponsible of, uh, of our very young, talented center. Um, and, you know, I was like, I hope they can get through these 25 games uh, without them. And hopefully some of these guys, you know, James Jones, Everybody made, you know, everybody was on him for making that Baines trade and, oh, the cap space. Now we have to give up assets to trade Josh Jackson away and clear cap space. But now, obviously, as you can see, um, they very much needed that Aaron Baines pickup. And I think that's going to that's going to provide uh, a lot of relief, uh, especially in the next 23 games, seeing as how there's two games that were already played. Right. And, and you know, I had I had a similar reaction. I mean, ultimately. You look at it, you're like, okay, it's a diuretic. The problem with diuretic is obviously that it that can be a masking substance. Look at DeAndre Ayton, though, and you think, okay, does 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 he look like a, like a dude that did a bunch of PEDs during the offseason? It's not like the guy put on, like, 25 pounds of muscle. He looks the same. He looks the same. And uh, ultimately, okay, it's... I get why the NBA has that in their banned substance categories. I will say that the the NBA PA needs to work on that on that a little more during the next CBA negotiations because to say that a diuretic carries the same suspension as drugs like heroin, cocaine, um, <laughs> Bringing a Molly, gun into the locker room. Bringing no, no, actually, that 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 apparently is not as bad. Um, no, it's actually worse. But but anyway, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it 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 just doesn't make sense. And and ultimately, you look at it in this day and age, players don't take diuretics from my perspective to to mask something that they've done. They don't. I really do think that DeAndre Ayton took the diuretic inadvertently or it was given to him not knowing that he was taking it but at the end of the day it probably doesn't matter the nba pa came out very quickly in fact i want to say came out quickly during in in the woes bomb that actually notified everybody that this happened he said the nba pa has already prepared a an appeal and they're going to fast track it and the NBA PA gets to fast track two appeals per year. So one game into the season, they're taking one of those allowed fast tracks on DeAndre Ayton. It tells me maybe there's maybe there's some maybe there is some <sighs> force behind what they what they see, what they know the evidence to be. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to wait and see what actually happens with it. Leading into what I said was going to be the next kind of topic. Perhaps it's not going to harm the Suns as much as we thought that it would initially, because since this came down, the Suns almost beat and frankly should have beat the Denver Nuggets in Denver. And they did, in fact, beat very handily the Los Angeles Clippers, who, well, are picked by a lot of pundits, if you will, to be one of the top 
one or two team in the West this season, if not a team that well could win the NBA title. So based on what you've seen in the two games since DeAndre Ayton was suspended, what do you think this is going to mean for the team? How much is it going to truly affect the team negatively or how much could it actually affect the team in a positive manner? I think it's going to help them come together a little bit more. Um, you've heard Booker say it. Uh, you've heard a lot of the guys say it. They're going to stand behind DeAndre. Um, they have his back. You heard Monty say it as well. But, um, I mean, it, it's it's hard to say they're better off for it. Um, obviously, they're not. Uh, DeAndre's a great talent. And, he, I mean, he's a heck of a ball player. The, 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 the Suns are not a better team without DeAndre Ayton. Uh, I can't wait for those takes to come out on Twitter, by the way, because, hey, if they do well in the next few games, they're coming. Um, but I think they can weather the storm. Aaron Baines is a very capable center, but from the first couple of games, he looks like he, he gets in foul trouble a little too much, which isn't necessarily a bad thing if he's coming off the bench, but if he's starting that can, you know, pose some problems as you can, as you saw in the, in the Denver game. I mean, uh, we won't get into the three players that fouled out in the first 60 seconds of overtime. Or the uh, but, or the or the handshakes the referees gave Denver fans after the game. Oh, you know what? That's actually what I wanted to talk about later. You know what? Let's talk about that right now. If that's okay with you. You know what? We have we have zero zero filters on fanning the flame. So do it, brother. Here's my thing about that man. And you know what? I, I get it. I saw uh, Kellen Olson uh, posted the video and he said, "Hey, by the way, this means nothing." And other people kind of you know they 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 did the same thing and they. Uh, uh, you know, we're kind of brushing it off. Like this is no big deal. So there's a certain movie coming out on Friday, Justin, I don't know if you're aware. And it's about, I am aware. Uh, it's about a gentleman called Tim Donahue who hmm. admittingly fixed NBA games to, uh, for, for, for an illegal gambling ring, uh, run by a, a, a mob. And the FBI investigated. He actually did time in prison for her. Okay. And actually was on Arizona sports. Uh, either was it two, I believe it was two weeks ago on uh, the Bickley Murata show. And he admitted that him and certain other referees had, did not like Robert Sarver and use that to uh, make certain calls in a certain playoff series against, Oh, I don't know the San Antonio Spurs on a certain year where, uh, you know, we should have won the championship and, uh, some unfortunate, uh, incidents happened. So I don't know, maybe the greatest thing isn't for referees to be high-fiving the home team's fans on the way out, especially when there was more than questionable calls, uh, on, on said team. And you fouled out three of the other team starters in the first 60 seconds of overtime. Um, it's kind of ridiculous and I get it. I get it. We're saying, you know, Hey, let's brush it off, you know, but you know, probably not a good look, you know, kind of like, Hey, if you, it, I, I hate to bring this guy up cause I don't like him very much. Um, he's kind of a terrible human being, but OJ Simpson probably shouldn't have wrote a, wrote a book that <laughs> was called if I did do it, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I apples and like, oranges, but you know, like, I, I, I like to use that. Because it's, I mean, come on, man. Let's let's not do that, especially with the franchise like the Suns. Kind of like all these uh, pass interference calls against the Saints. You know, I can bring up a lot of different uh, 
analogies, man. But it, it just to me, it wasn't a good look, and people just kind of brushing it off like it's nothing. I mean, right? Okay, you know, I, I'll get into this with you because anybody that follows me on Twitter knows that I I am not a fan of referees of any sport. I'm not because you know at the end of the day, they get paid a boatload of money to do their jobs. I get paid money to do my my job. Daniel, I'm sure you get paid money to do your job. Everybody listening out there, I'm sure you get paid money to do your job. If you fucked up as badly as some of these people have done, there would be there would be repercussions. But in professional sports, there seems to be none. And let's talk about these referees at the Nuggets Suns game. Okay. Do you know, Daniel, off the top of your head, what the foul discrepancy was during the Suns Clippers game last night? I don't. The, the Suns got, got called 34. The Clippers got called for 32. Huh. I won't even ask you the same question with the with the Kings game, but the Suns got called for 25. The Clippers got called for 24. With the Nuggets game. With the Nuggets game. Daniel, Nuggets got called for 20 fouls. Suns got called for 35. That is a nine-foul differential. That is huge. Huh. Yeah, that's that pretty ridiculous. Huge. And then you're you, then NBA, your officials walk out high fiving Nuggets fans. That's not a problem. That's a problem. Yeah. If it was if it was if it was twenty five to twenty five foul calls, that's a problem. Like your, your officials are not are supposed to be even keeled. Or they're supposed to be unbiased. Why would they even bother? Like. If if they if if they walk out and they're yelled at by the fans, do they turn and look at them and explain why they made certain calls? No. So they shouldn't be high fiving fans ever. ever. No. No. Ever. They, they they really shouldn't. And you know, I, I, it's funny that this is getting brought up. This actually was brought. I mean, Cardinals Saints games. There was a there there was a very uh, obvious pass interference called against the Saints uh, in the game today. And I've like on the, yep. I know what you're talking yep, about. Yep. And, uh, for some reason the flag was picked up and there was no foul on the play, even though it was very obvious it was pass interference on the saints and they cut away to a couple to, to Saints secondary and two of the defensive backs are talking to an official and he's joking, laughing, and then slapping them on the back saying, Hey, you know what? That's all right. There's no foul on the play. Don't even worry about it. Not a good, just, just not a good look. So let's let's uh, let's take a quick couple minutes here to talk about how you feel now that the Suns have two games under their belt without DeAndre Ayton and compare that to what you thought DeAndre Ayton's suspension was going to mean initially versus what you think it's going to mean to this team now. My thought on that is, thank God we have Monty Williams. I mean, that's me clapping. This this guy, I mean, for all intents and purposes, this guy is a, you know, a lot of people were like, okay, well, he didn't do that well as as a coach, and and uh, you know, I think it was in New Orleans, right? New Orleans. He was a right. New Orleans Hornets, right? And and if I may interject, he did quite well as a coach with New Orleans. Yeah, he, they went to the playoffs a, a couple of times. Well, it, well, his first year there was, I think, the year they drafted they drafted uh, uh, the Brow. Anthony Davis, yep. And then he improved them from year one to improve them to year to year three. I believe got them into the playoffs year four and then was fired in year four. So for everyone who's like, oh, well, he can't coach. There's no ev- 
for everyone who says, let me let me rephrase that. For everyone who says there's no evidence that he can coach, there is more evidence that he can coach and there is evidence that he cannot coach, especially in the context of a coach who, who has the ability to take, take a young team and improve them. But anyway, my objection done. Go on. <laughs> so, you know, I heard uh, I heard Burnsy talking about this on Burns and Gambo. It's Monty Williams is he's a he's a good coach. He's an even better dude. He's kind he's the kind of dude you want leading your team, right? He's built for this type of situation. I mean, if anybody hasn't seen the YouTube video, just just YouTube Monty Williams, the YouTube video of him getting the I believe it was a Craig Sager award. Um, something like that. I, I'm not sure if that was the one where he's talking about his wife. I mean, this guy, you know, everybody knows his wife died in a tragic car accident and, you know, he opened up her eulogy or his eulogy for her by saying that him and his family show no ill will towards the other person in the car. Mm-hmm. That's an, that's, I mean, as a human being, I mean, I, I've been, Fortunate enough not to lose anybody that close to me in that type of matter. But man, like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm that good of a human being to be able to say that. So this guy is, he's just, he just gets it, man. I mean, you know, you got the whole Ryan Anderson thing that he, he went through when he was in OKC. That That's a phenomenal story too. And Ryan phenomenal Anderson. Phenomenal story. Yeah. Ryan Anderson's, you know, girlfriend at the time committed suicide. And as you can all imagine, Ryan Anderson was in a very dark place and Monty Williams pretty much said, hey, you're going to come to my house and you're going to sleep next to me and I'm going to take care of you. Make sure you don't get too dark. So Monty Williams, a person, is an even better person than he is a coach. And he's a phenomenal coach. As you can see, the first two, three games, I mean, man, like it's night and day. And I don't want to I don't like to bash, you know, previous coaches. Earl Watson. I, think, I mean, Earl Watson. You know what? I, I'll bash him. That that guy was not a very good coach. <laughs> he wasn't. Let's be real. The, the only reason I brought up Earl Watson is because I feel like Monty Williams and Earl as people are similar, but Monty, Monty was just can coach basketball. That brought him up. Okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. No, and you know what? That's a, that's a good comparison. A lot of people, when uh, he got hired, said, well, you know, Earl Watson – was a very good talker and he could do interviews very well and, you know, talked great and all that stuff, get good interviews. And, but it just feels different, man. And mm-hmm. like, honestly, I just, I'm, I'm glad we have Monty Williams as a coach. Cause if we didn't have Monty Williams as a coach, I bet you we probably get blown out in Denver on Friday and we probably get blown out last night too. And yeah. we should have won both of those games had, you know, Igor been the coach Man, no telling, you know, what this could have been. And he yeah. were probably a good X's and O's guy. Not, I don't think his, you know, being a leader of men is very up there, which is not, not a bad thing. He just wasn't an NBA coach and that's not his fault. Right. And the Suns has had particularly last night, but even with the game against the Nuggets had every excuse to just mail that in. They had a great opening night. Then they get this news that they're, Number one draft pick from last year. Their starting center is suspended. They have every reason to mail in that game against Denver. They didn't. Not only did they not mail it in, they almost and perhaps should have won that game. Then after that, they have even more reason to mail in the game against the Clippers last night. They're coming into a game against a team who is 
again, one of the top two, if not the top team in the West, based on the pundits. And they're coming off a game in Denver, playing in altitude. They're playing second night of a back-to-back. They had every reason to mail that in. They didn't mail it in at all. Not only did they not mail it in, they dominated and they won that game. That, I think, speaks volumes, Monty Williams, and his ability to motivate that team and what that team believes in terms of Monty Williams as a coach. Because, you know, Igor, like you said, I have zero doubt that Igor is a great X's and O guy, but clearly he couldn't get that team to play for him in any way, shape, or form. You look at a coach, you want a guy who can convince a team, convince an individual player to run through, run through a fucking brick wall for him. That team was never, no player on this team now or back then was going to run through a brick wall for Igor. They will. I will run through a brick wall for Monty. For yeah. the team, I will do it. That Hell team yeah. will absolutely run through a brick wall for Monty Williams, and that's why they're doing what they're doing right now. And that's why I think when we go back to the original idea of what does this DeAndre Aiden suspension really mean, I think they're going to be just, just fine because because that team is willing to run through a brick wall for Monty Williams and then because – James Jones has actually put NBA talent on a roster where Monty Williams would sit there and go, oh, crap, I just lost my starting center who put together, notwithstanding what anybody out there in Sun's Twitter says, put together a an all-time rookie season for a big man. But I'm going to be okay because I have the, the players that can fill in for him, and I have the ability to make these errors maximize their abilities and do what they can to win as many games as we can as a team. And on that note, we'll take a quick break. So we talked about eight in suspension, what that meant for the team as we saw it initially and what we think it means for the team now after two games of eight in suspension. So who has filled in for eight and who has stepped up and filled Aiton's shoes best so far, as you can see, see through the first two games. So I think this, th- this question is, is kind of a trick question, as I could say, if I, oh, if yeah. I could say. We're, we love those on this podcast. Because everybody's going to say Aaron Baines, right? Mm-hmm. And he's been great. Aaron Baines, he has a monster. His screens are the pretty monster. ridiculous. Like, like, uh, I mean, that screen he set yesterday on on Mo on Mo Williams and Mo Williams like got so pissed that he decided to shove him and he got called for a flagrant foul. That was awesome, right? Um, The guy that I think is, I mean, he's kind of been on my on my shit list, kind of because he can't hit a shot for some reason. I really like Dario Saric when he plays down low. I re- his he can rebound. Um, he he can play a little bit of defense. If he can get that shots going, which he was last night, he hit a kid a couple big shots last night uh, on a couple uh, beautiful uh, feeds from Devin Booker, by the way, who apparently can only put up empty stats on a bad team. But you know, <laughs> he only leads the league in uh, assists right now, so we won't go there. But, Just a looter, looter in a riot, right, dude? Looter, in a riot. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but I, I really like what Sharge brings. Um, I, I saw you know, Czech Diallo came in for a few minutes 
And a few minutes was all I needed to see where I was like, okay, that guy, that's like, that experiment is, uh, that's a little donezo. Um, but I think they're just going to play, have to play a little small, man. Um, I mean, Baines is Baines, right? He's going to be good, but he's only good. I mean, he can give you what, 20 minutes a game, maybe 25, everything else. I think they're going to have to piece together and they're just going to have to be scrappy and they're going to have to, they're going to have to play small. I mean, at the end of the day, but Shards has really impressed me, especially, you know, down low rebounding and, uh, and, and crashing those, uh, those defensive boards. And of course we can't forget Frank, the tank. Hey, you know, as a U of a fan three games into the season, I have now forgiven him. I have now forgiven him. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I, I mean, too much, how, too much. No, okay. but that was like, like, like it reminds me of super bad. You ever seen the movie Super Bad, Justin? Of course. I remember when he says, "Why don't you go pee your pants again?" It's just soccer. And he's like, "That was like eight years ago, asshole." <laughs> right, right. That's right, how right. I feel and about Kaminsky, man. And, and that's and that's why I forgive him. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not as ready to forgive, but I have now gotten to the point where I do forgive. I do forgive. Yeah, and I mean that was, dude. He killed Wildcats. Um, yeah, we don't need a hey, hey. This is not a this is not a Wildcats <laughs> podcast. We don't need to talk about that, dude. I You're right. You get, know what? Get the point. I'm sorry for bringing up inappropriate shit at inappropriate times. My bad. Um, but no, dude, Frank's been amazing. That guy. I mean, damn, he the Suns got murdered. I don't even know if it was by the national guys. They got murdered by Suns Twitter for that. I mean, Shot. everybody had an opinion. They're like, oh, the mid-level exception. You could have gotten this player, that player. And I'm like, look, man, at the end of the day, Suns Twitter, we're not GMs, right? That's above our pay grade. So obviously these guys are making signings for a reason. James Jones, I mean, you can say what you will about asset management. And, you know, we can get into the TJ Warren stuff, even though he's hurt, I believe, already. What? Um, yeah. TJ Warren's hurt? Yeah, right? That never happens. <laughs> so there, there, there's that. But, I mean, he's done a pretty damn good job. He turned the corpse of Trevor Ariza into Kelly Oubre. Whether it was by accident or not, I really don't care. It's a results-based business. Kelly Oubre's on the team. Trevor Ariza's not. Um, shout out to the fans, by the way, for booing him as harshly as they did on that first game. That was awesome. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean – Frank Kaminsky has been, he, he's been really good, man. And honestly, like the thing that impresses me the most are his moves down low, his post moves, like just the up and unders and, you know, the rebounding and the boxing out. It's awesome. And he can shoot the three, man. He that guy can shoot like that, there's, there's no question about that. And he made some long threes last night that were, that were huge, especially when the yeah, Lakers yeah. look like they were making, or the Clippers look like they were making a run. Um, I'm with you on, I'm with you on Kaminsky. Let, let me step back. It sounds like you're saying Sarge and Kaminsky are going to fill that role. And it's funny you say that because Paul and I had talked before about like Diallo getting playing time. I'm like, dude, Diallo was the last dude that they brought in. Basically. He's not, he's not there to be there. Like he's there to be there for practice purposes. He's not there to fill in legit time. Um, and I think that has shown the last couple of games, but I'm, I'm totally with you, Arich and Kaminsky. I mean, during pre-Kaminsky showed up hard, like he showed huge. He 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 came in and had I forgot which game it was. Maybe it was the Blazers game. I'm not sure, but 
he showed the ability to hit that three. And and we've talked about before on this podcast that maybe Frank just needed a different environment. He needed the pressure of being a top 10 pick off of him and, and the ability to be a dude who came in as a mid-level guy and just, just is going to play his game. And he's been doing that. And, and I think one thing that you brought up that is very astute is the fact that Kaminsky has shown a really good ability to handle the ball, you know, whether it's down low and he's making, making, or whether it's taking the ball off, off, off of a, off of a pass when he's outside the, outside the stripe, he shows the ability to really allow the offense to expand on him, which I, I think is huge, especially again, talking about the, the guy who's going to fill the f- foots, <laughs> the shoes of, of Deandre eight <laughs> and, and Sarich, yeah, dude, Sarich has been Sarich has been spot on. I mean, he he. It was really just the first game, I think, where his shot wasn't falling. Let's see, against the Kings, he was two for seven, one for four from deep. Against the Nuggets, he was three for eleven, zero oh for three for deep. Okay, first yeah, teams, maybe. I think, I, I think that's the one that really that's the one that's really got me. The, the, especially because all, all it all it took, man, was a few shots to go in. That game yeah. would have been. Could have been a blowout, yeah. you know. And 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 you look at though, look at look at the the Clippers game. Five for eight from the field, three for six from deep, ten rebounds, three assists, two yeah. steals, only one turnover, plus twelve in thirty-four 12. minutes. I mean, that's that's the kind of thing that you look. And then Baines, Baines is what Baines is. So we all knew what we yeah. had, we had coming in, but he can hit the three. Oh, yeah. That's he that's, hit, that's he that's hit a couple him. big threes. Um I, I, even the Sacramento game, I mean, they were making a little bit of a run there. Um, and he hit a huge corner three. Um, I believe that was again, assisted by one Devin Booker. I don't think any Suns fan would sit there and be like through three games. Devin Booker is playing great, right? He's not, but, 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 and, and when I say that, I mean that he's not playing great from the perspective that we have as Suns fans, meaning we expect him to, fill it up and be the focus, which is great because he doesn't need to be the focus. He can do things like pass out eight assists in the Clippers game, pass out seven assists in the Nuggets game, pass out 10 assists in the Kings game yeah, and make his impact that way. And whether he's hitting or not, they still have to, they being teams in the NBA still have to respect Devin Booker as a shooter, as a scorer. And eventually <laughs> As the season wears on and he starts to hit these shots and he's still having the ability to just to, 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 to excuse me to distribute like this. My God, Devin Booker put up this season point point is less than he's put up throughout his career. But he's going to have way more of an impact on this team than he has throughout his career at any point with any other Suns team. For the sole reason that a he doesn't have to score and b sole reason and I'm laying out multiple points but and b he has players around him that he can make better like yeah. Steve Nash went through through his career with the Suns Suns second stint as being a guy who took advantage of opportunities when he had them could shoot but made his teammates better Devin Booker suddenly has teammates who are actually capable of being better in the NBA playing off of him. Yeah. I mean, uh, 100%. And Justin, so do you know who leads the league 
and this may have changed today as of today, but as of last night, you know, who leads the league and assists to turnover ratio. I'm, I'm assume Devin book or the, the Phoenix, the Phoenix suns. That's insane. Right. The, like who right. would have thought you, yeah, that was like their number one fault last year is they turned the ball. <laughs> it was stupid mistakes. A lot of them made by Josh Jackson, by the way, who, you know, for some reason, people thought that DeAnthony Melton and two second round picks was, you know, they should have been. Uh, I don't remember the word that Bill Simmons let's, used, but they, you know. Let's, yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk. You know, okay. Let's, let's talk about. Let's just delve into stuff that we bring up randomly. Look, I was I was a proponent of Josh Jackson, and I will hand to God admit I was wrong. I was wrong, but the idea that Suns fans are like, oh, we didn't get enough for Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson. Like, we're lucky we didn't pay more to get rid of him or just have to unload him and, and cut him. He, yeah. he, he got that detrimental to the team. Sure. And he was one of those guys, like, he had problems at KU in college off the court. And it was like, okay, well, he was a young kid. It wasn't a big deal. He did what he did, but he'll grow. He never grew. He got worse. And at the end of the day, getting anything in return – particularly anything being Javon Vaughn caught in return for Josh Jackson, who I can't believe we've been on this podcast for, I don't know how long. And we have not brought up Javon Carter, by the way, dude, Javon Carter is, is, you know what? I feel like we didn't bring him up because that's exactly what Javon Carter is. He's a dude who's going to contribute, but you know what? No one's going to pay much attention to it. No. And that's fine. That is fine. That is fine. I'm okay with that. Yeah. And, He's that. Oh man, that key. He's he's a guy that'll pick up full court. You know, he'll pick up his defender full court and pressure him all the way down. Just and just piss him off and throw him out of rhythm, man. Like it may not show up in the box score. And sometimes some of those shots he takes, I'm like Jesus. And then there's the ones that I'm like, go God no. And then they go in, and I'm like, yes, you know. And it's it's crazy. But just going back to the Josh Jackson thing, I was one of those people who once Monty Williams was hired, I was like, man, I hope they can really like mold him into something because, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because, you know, he, he can, he might be able to bring something out of Josh Jackson that nobody else could. I really wanted to see him see what, you know, I really wanted to see him try and mold Josh Jackson into something. Right. But at the end of the day, they had to, they had to do it, man. They had to get rid of the yep. dead weight. Sometimes you just, it's addition by subtraction and Josh Jackson, he wasn't the best player uh, on the court last year. A lot. He had his moments and you know what, man, I hope he, he gets it together. I really do. Um, but at the end of the day, if you look at it, he had issues at Kansas, right? And when you have issues as a young guy who's 18, 19 years old, the best thing for you is probably not going into a dysfunctional organization that's going to yeah. gift you playing time. I yeah. mean, it's, it's just not, it's not going to go well. So, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I don't know why everybody was freaking out about two second round picks. Like I get it. You know, we had to give up so much, but second, since when do we have to, since when, since when do we value second round picks so much? And do you know what percentage of the second round picks got traded this past draft, Justin? I have zero idea. I believe, and I might be, you know, give or take a little. I believe it was about seventy percent of the second round picks got traded. 
Right. So at the end of the day, it's it's a crapshoot, right? You're drafting yeah. bull bull to see if he ever amounts yeah. anything. Or if yeah, he exactly. So. No, and 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 for anybody to complain about giving up second round picks when the Suns are where they are, like if we're worried about second round picks, then much deeper rooted issue with the Suns than draft pick management because they've built up the past nine years to get where they are. And if you're worried that, oh, we gave up two second round picks and our future is destroyed, that's that's crazy. Now, if the concern is, oh, we gave two second round picks for a first round pick. Fine. I get it. But you have to, you have to call a spade a spade. And at a certain point, you just have to deal with it and say, all right, he didn't work out. And I do think, though, you brought up a good point. Point. I think that under Mark Williams, maybe Jackson would have developed better, turned into something. Right now, he's in the G League. Yeah. He doesn't have Monty Williams in Memphis, and it is what it is. And the Suns are better for it, and that's what people have to recognize, the Suns are better for it. All right, last thing we'll talk about here before we wrap up this episode of Fanning the Flames is the Suns playing defense. 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 During these first three games of the season, notwithstanding the horrible discrepancy in the Nuggets-Suns game foul-wise, the Suns have shown a very strong propensity to play defense. They locked down Kawhi last night. They held in check um, uh, Jokic against the Nuggets and the Kings, whatever. Kings are the Kings. But, anyway, can you think of a time when the Suns team, any Sun has looked defensively like they're looking right now in terms of at least being – like the Suns look good defensively, and I mean, when was the last time they even looked like average defensively? You know, I, I I couldn't even tell you. You know, I'm sure maybe back in the mid '90s when they were going to Western Conference championships and the finals in '93, they possibly were a good defensive team. I actually, they probably were. You you're too young to remember that. Remember that say, but I but, am, I yeah, am too yeah. young to remember that. Yeah. I was four I was years not, old. When they wow. went to the finals, man. I was, let's see, how old was I? Let's see, I was 10. I was 10. 10 slash 11. No, let's okay. see, 92, 93. I was 11 by the time we went to the finals. So, but defense was also different back then. Sure, like, yeah. The hand check was, was still in play, all that yeah, stuff, right? Defense was basically, basically you can abuse the other, other team away with it as opposed to stopping from scoring points because <laughs> – right. Team scored points back then, and they did it notwithstanding the fact they could get, you know, forearm shivered in the throat on a drive, and it would be a maybe a common foul. Which, which by the way, is the weirdest argument that I see on Twitter when these clips from like the 90s and the 80s come out, and people are like, oh, this is how real basketball is played. Okay, like they weren't good enough athletes, so let's beat the shit out of the other team. And try to decapitate them. Yeah, that's the kind of basketball I want to see. No, basketball is better off. Come on, let's quit with that. That's ridiculous. What does that even mean? Like real basketball? It's like, how was the basketball based on the rules of the time? Yeah, like, let's just, come on. It's like assuming, Um, it's like saying like, okay, if you rob somebody now, we can chop your hand off. That's how we should do it. (laughs) Right? Same difference. Right, right. Jeez. Yes. Yeah. I can see where you're coming from. Um, <laughs> but uh, back to your question, I, I, I honestly can't remember a time when this same, this team uh, 
played defense. I mean, seven seconds or less, we were no, we were notoriously known for not being a good defensive team. Uh, so definitely wasn't back then. Uh, but man, it's, it's fun to watch, isn't it? And, you know, Eddie Johnson made a good point. Um, you know, people feel certain ways about Eddie Johnson. I, I like the guy. I think he's very real on the broadcast. Uh, one of the things he mentioned is the Suns need to keep playing the way they're playing. Because while right now they might be getting calls for those ticky tack fouls, they're going to build a mm-hmm. reputation uh, around the league of being a good defensive team. And that's essentially what's going to get them those calls. Now, one of the things I noticed that's kind of interesting I don't know if you've picked up on it, Justin, but every time a foul's called on them, um, even if it's something they don't like, unless it's ridiculously egregious, have you noticed that some of the players start clapping? Like they're applauding the refs? I noticed it. I noticed it a couple times with Mikel Bridges yesterday. Uh, Kelly, you raised it a few times. I know exactly what I'm talking about with with Mikel, though. Because I was watching the game again this morning, and I saw that I'm like, "Why is Mikhail clapping right now?" But I know exactly what you're saying with that. So yeah, and and I don't know if that's Monty being Monty and saying, "Hey, we have to," uh, you know, maybe playing mind games a little bit with the refs, where they're instead of complaining about calls, they're just clapping and saying, "Okay, good call, I see," and that might help towards their reputation. I could be totally off the reservation with that, but just kind of something that I noticed, uh, you know, when when they're calling fouls against them, especially the ticky tack ones. Yeah. Well, and I mean, let's, well, let's look at that. I mean, ultimately if that is something where they're trying to play mind games then great, like so be it. Because one thing I think most fans can agree with is that these, these referees are mental midgets. So if you build them <laughs> up a little bit, maybe, maybe it'll help, but maybe it's more of a, Stay positive, notwithstanding, as you sure. knew you did your job. If you got a foul call on you, so be it. But you're still doing your job. You didn't let the guy get to the hoop and score an easy bucket. You played hard defense, whatever it might be. Fantastic. Let's let's make sure you know that the team knows that, and and you know uh, uh, galvanize a team in that regard. Because one thing that I think, frankly. Of all sports, and, I, and I, I've this on the pod before, perhaps the sport that has the most re- reliance on the structure, the um, the uh, system put in place by the coaches is the NFL. Like you have a good offense, you have a good defense in the NFL, you're going to succeed. Basketball might be one of the one of the sports that's more on the lower end. Meaning, if you have great players offensively you can still succeed in the NDA even if your system isn't great. But but that doesn't, I don't think, apply as much defensively in the NBA because you do have so many players who are so skilled offensively as an individual, and you have so many coaches that know how to run solid offenses in the NBA that if you have a team defense – that works well, rotations get hit properly, players know their assignments, assignments et cetera, they're going to be able to succeed at defense. And maybe that's one of the things that Mons impart on his players is if you get a foul called on you, make sure that you know, you let your teammates know that, hey, that was, that was me playing hard defense. That wasn't me getting burned and trying to bail out and trying to avoid an easy shot. That was me playing into our system, 
and making sure that our system's working. And even if it's a foul, let's keep rolling with the system. That uh, I feel like that, I just delve deep into that. Like that was deep psyche. Right? You know <laughs> what? That makes so much more sense than me thinking that they're just trying <laughs> they're trying to brainwash the refs and making them think they did a good job. That makes so much more sense because of course their refs are not very smart. They're not, they're just God damn it. Tim Donahue. Um, you know, they're just not uh it's it's just not a no, they're not good. So yeah, you're right. It's that's probably more <laughs> what it is than them saying, Oh, hey refs, by the way, like you guys are doing a great job. <laughs> well done. Good job, guys. Well done, gentlemen. Well done. Good job by you. And, and you know, but it, at the end of the day, it's refreshing seeing the Suns actually, like, Booker's playing defense. Oh, man. I'm going to say it. He's playing defense very well. Not just well. Very well. You know what? I'm with you 100%. And it's funny because I saw the Twitter nerds today uh, put up a stat saying that he's the contrary to that, that he's not playing very good defense. Um, but they're saying, oh, well, the numbers, the numbers don't really, you know, compute to a, a shooting guard, which kind of pisses me off. And, and that, why, which like, that's what irritates me about these advanced stats. You know, the advanced stats that say that Jaron Jackson Jr. is better than DeAndre Ayton. First of all, if you believe that, get the fuck out of here and you can at me, you can get my Twitter handle at the beginning of this episode. Um, and but, at the end, we'll throw it again. Yeah, we'll throw it mine again at the too, end for you. Mine too, and I will, I will, I will ridicule you. I will DM oh. you so much. Ask, ask at NBA officials. I DM them a lot. They don't respond, <laughs> by the way. Oh, just okay. for the they record. Okay, good they to know. I, at least they have their DMs open. I didn't know that was uh, they, they, they would do <laughs> yeah. that. But I mean, but yeah, I mean, relative. Yeah, like like there's people out there that are like, come on, man. Add advanced stats. There's a reason why those are new. And yes, there are some of them that are, are very reliable and, you know, can be looked at and they can tell you a story, you can pin picture. But at the end of the day, Devin Book is playing damn good defense compared to what he has in the past. He's not only been playing average defense, he's been playing good defense and he actually cares. He had a block shot yesterday, man. That's crazy. A block, a block a, shot. Somebody, somebody tried to score and he blocked, blocked it? Uh, actually, I think that was Friday night. He might have lost well, too. But either way, know. either way, either way. Yeah, yeah. It applies. And guess to what? He's had some. He's had a few steals too, and it, it's it's very encouraging, man. Very encouraging. Um, and it's just, I don't know if you've seen those things. Have you seen those? They're, they're, it's like a graph, and I, was, I saw them last yep. year with the rookies, where like there's that. a line, and then it's got all the logo, like pictures of the players. There was a there was one of those that had the teams on there, and the Suns were far and away better than everybody else. Yep. And it was a defensive chart. And I looked at that and I'm like, you know, I don't care if it's three games. Like that's, that's ridiculous. Like who like, I, and you know what? We, we won't get the play. We won't get any play on it on Monday. Um, you know, the jump Rachel Nichols. I know she loves the hate on the Suns with the sons of anarchy crap, but we won't get any play. But I mean, I, I, I Man, if you can get those people in a room and say, hey, what do you guys think about the Suns? They probably still wouldn't like them because, I mean, it's the national media. But, man, it's encouraging. It's encouraging because if they keep this up, and I I really think they can. I mean, they play Utah tomorrow, and they play the Warriors, which are terrible. I mean, Apparently the Warriors (laughs) suck. (laughs) Warriors, I mean, hey, but hey, don't don't, 
Uh, you know what? Don't I'm not blame gonna the player. Yeah, hold on. Don't blame on. the let players. Step, okay. Let me step Marquise back. Marquise Chris yeah, is a good right. player. Yep. Marquise yep. Chris is good. It's the Suns' fault. Don't blame Marquise <laughs> Chris. Okay, because the Suns are a shit organization. If the Warriors it's never don't the kids' beat, fault. If the if the Warriors don't don't beat the Suns, we can blame um, uh, Draymond Green, though, right? Like that's how that works, right? Yeah, right? yeah that's how it works. Jesus. Okay. Oh, so God. I. I know that I'm going to. So when uh, when when we post this pod, Daniel, when you when you when you post it, you're going to at Rachel Nichols, right? Is that what's happening? I like it. Oh, I, I will at I've at I've added Rachel Nichols a lot. Add added added yes. And you know what? The jump, man. You know, so that's actually another thing I wanted to bring up tonight, real quick. I we got to make a list of all these national writers and national pundits that have shit on the suns, especially this past off season. I think number one on my list is Nick Friedel. Do you know who Nick Friedel is? I have, I actually have no idea who that is. He writes for the warriors. Okay. He's on the jump often and he shits on Devin Booker. Um, I remember quite vividly. Um, there was when they signed Rubio it was actually after Rubio won the MVP for FIBA. Uh, they asked, which is a good time, which is a good time to shit on him, right? Right. Because, yeah, of course, know, of course. Yeah, 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 obviously. And um, and it was Rachel Nichols, you know, her doing her intro. She's like, "Oh, hey guys, is Ricky Rubio the point guard that the Suns have been missing?" And then they, Nick, what do you think? And he's like, "No, no." Like, dude, okay, you've gotten to cover a great run by a championship team. Like it doesn't make you a championship writer, and it doesn't mean that you know what you're talking about, dude. Please, what, do some damn was, homework. Was the was the jump where we got into our little uh, Richard Jefferson conversation? <laughs> yeah, it sure was. Uh, yeah, because yeah. yeah, Richard hey, Jefferson know, called him called decided to call it Devin Booker soft, and me and you decided to call him out on it. Hey, you know, and and I, you know, in his defense, he responded. In 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 his not defense, he he responded to my very logical response to his response. Uh, but then in his defense, he didn't block me, like some True. other people on Twitter have done. <laughs> but hey, you know what? Teach their own. I guess I'm sure I'm muted in the very least. I don't know. Sure, but um, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, calling 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 Devin Booker soft was fucking weird from Richard Jefferson. Uh, you know, it does, he, but he does a polishing fry, right? Yeah, I think he does. Yeah, Don't I think they do this? I think that's the. It's, I, might, it's, I, might, I might I might I may not have a little bit of an in with Channing Fry through various various avenues. Uh, I might see what I can what I can work with that and see if uh, we can get a little little conversation. Paul, you're already fired. Um, anyway. <laughs> but. Yeah. Dude, the weird thing about Richard Jefferson is Richard Jefferson played in this league, right? And I, I told him, like, Richard, you've played in this league. You're telling me that double teaming is okay in pickup. And we've heard it both ways. People are like, oh, yeah, that's fine. First of all, I don't give a shit what Kobe Bryant said because Kobe Bryant's Kobe Bryant. Like, he he literally ruined Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum looked like a very promising player in his first year. <laughs> and then he shit the bed all of last season. So after, after hanging training out with, with Kobe. Kobe yeah, after training with Kobe for the whole year. Can, so. we, can we be on? Can we? Can we? Can we give the Lakers some credit here? I'm going to say this. Can we give the Lakers some credit here? Sweet, sweet inside move by the Lakers yep. Yep. getting Kobe sweet. to ruin Jason Tatum. Sweet kill, bro. Sweet well, kill. Well, well, 
Well played, whichever bus is in charge of that, of that team. I don't even know. Well played, man. And, like, my thing is, is, like, ah, dude, like, I don't care what he says. Gilbert Arenas tried to call Devin Booker on his Instagram, and Devin Booker replied to him. That was awesome because Devin Booker said, hey, man, I'm going to reply because I kind of respect you. But here's what <laughs> happened. And he's absolutely right. And guess what? De- Kevin Durant, say what you will about Kevin Durant, his social media you know, replying to people or whatever the case may be. He's probably, he's probably the best player in basketball. Had he not gotten hurt. Yeah. He's Kevin Durant. Like, like he's Kevin Durant. He's <laughs> Kevin Durant. Exactly. Yeah. And he even said like, yeah, you don't double team and pick up basketball. You don't Trey young. I mean, you know, Trey Young's a second year player, rookie slash rookie. I mean, fine. But Booker wasn't and everybody in the whole headline was, Oh, Booker cries about being double team. I, 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 people seem to neglect the part where Booker was absolutely waxing all of these players during that two minute video clip. But everybody wanted to focus on 15 seconds of him saying, Hey man, we're not double teaming and pickup. I do that shit all season. We're here to work on our game. And from what I've, you know, known, that's exactly what the players do in the off season. They're there to, work on their game they're not there to get double teamed right it's not a game like you can work on that shit at practice come on and how about we look at too just to just back to mr mr jefferson's point the fact that the kings doubled the shit out of booker game one and lost by 29 yeah so i think devin booker last night too uh, they lost too i think devin booker is just fine with double teams yeah I, i think he is I think he is. I think he is. All right. So, Daniel, as a first-time guest podcast host, perhaps future permanent podcast host, <laughs> do you have any final thoughts, comments, or to add to this episode? Uh, no, man. Other than, you know, this is very exciting, and uh, I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow. Paul, shouldn't have gone to the <laughs> wedding, man. Shouldn't have done it. He's coming for you. He's coming for you. <laughs> right, no, well. but in all seriousness, man, man, it's it's. Uh, I, I appreciate the uh, opportunity to come on here and uh, chat with you a bit. It was it was a lot of fun. And uh, Paul, you're a good guy, man. I'm not trying to take your job. Come on now. Now, Paul's Paul's lovely. We love Paul. I love Paul. Um, but anyway, uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode with a guest host. Uh, and if you did or did not, let us know. And we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode of Fanning the Flames. And as we always say here on Fanning the Flames, thank you very much for listening. You can catch me on Twitter. I'm at so says J Daniel. I am at, at D underscore Duarte, spelled D U A R T E 8 9. Paul. <laughs> He's at Dervis of World. Pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. And as we always say here on Fan the Flames, thank you for listening. And depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Just want to hear-